We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app an odyssey station the following is paid commercial programming the content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of wssp intercom milwaukee its staff or sponsors From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! (laughs) Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, a howdy you do, and good morning to you folks. This is the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors, this week's edition with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, and Sam Schmitz on the boards. And unlike Aaron Rodgers, we don't want to leap WSSP. We don't want to get traded. We're fine right here. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us during the show, since it is a live show, you can call live, and that's 414 414- 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or you can always email us live at ceoguides at yahoo.com. Hey, good morning, Danny. Good morning, Tom. Uh, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we are, you know, we're a hunting and fishing show, but we talk all things sports. So mm-hmm. I, I got a good a good topic I think they ought to they have on the big show or one of the other shows for people to call in. Um, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, who is, who is the biggest trader, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? Because Brett Favre, when he left years ago to the Vikings, a lot of people were like, he's a trader. He went to the Vikings there, eh? He's, and well, you know, Brett never, he didn't want to leave Green Bay. He, when he, of course he goofed up with all the retirement stuff, but he wanted to stay he was yeah. basically forced out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't being forced out. He's he's just saying he doesn't want to be here anymore. So in my mind, <coughs> Aaron Rodgers is more of a traitor than Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers wants to leave the Green Bay Packers. You know, and to me, it, to me, it really doesn't matter because of the fact here you got grown men playing a kid's game, making multi millions of dollars, and you know. Does it really matter if they come in first, second, third, fourth, whatever? It doesn't change our lives. You know, most people like sitting there watching the games on the weekend, which is fine, you know. 
but it doesn't change lives at all. It's, it's just a bunch of guys playing a kid's game, you know. So, you know, to me, eh, it, it'll go on. You know, life goes on. The Packers will go on with or without them, you know. And, you know, the thing is, is they'll probably be decent without them. I don't know. You know, it. I just you're, think it's kind of funny, you know. So so you're not a live and die by the Packers uh, no, no. fan? No. no, not live and die. I mean... Like I said, it's it's a kids game that adults play for multi millions of dollars. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's enjoyable watching, but you know, it's not going to change. I mean, sure, it'll change because Aaron Rodgers isn't there. They might not be as good, but they're still going to be decent. Uh, you know, I I don't know. It's still football. You know, still football. Yeah. Well, obviously, you're more the casual fan. The diehard Packer fan's going to really be bummed if he leaves because that pretty much takes you out of contention right there um so but it's it's interesting to watch it um hopefully hopefully he can stay here i don't think he'll be i don't think he'll be going uh filming any commercials with john gillespie and catching muskies like uh brett Favre did no i don't uh, think so no no probably uh I don't think he's, you know, I don't think some, some, well, Aaron Rodgers, if he were a fisherman, I would think he'd be a fly fisherman. Yeah. He'd, that's what yeah. That would be like. the type he would yeah. be, right? Yeah. That's what it seems like. Yeah. He'd be. Hey, we he'd, got an email from your buddy, Scotty O. Oh. He says, what are the, th- what, what are you three must, I don't, I don't know. Scotty's got to learn how to write more. Well, anyway. Tom, you got to read the emails before you bring them on the air. No, I did read them. But it's really weird. It says, what are you three must-haves in your boat, regardless of what you're fishing for? With Dan, I know it's a great knee-high or two, and Ron is a comb. Uh, what are some of the other items that are must-have in your boat? Yeah, must-have in the boat. Oh, yeah. You want okay. me to go first, or do you want to go? Yeah, you can go first. Okay. First of all, a nail clipper to cut my fishing line. Polarized sunglasses. To see better, a hand towel to wipe my hands from the fish slime, and a needle nose pliers to help me get the cooks out. Got to have those. Yeah, I guess for me it would be uh, 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 hook out hook out tools, ne- right. long 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 needle nose pliers, or a Baker hook out tool. Matter of fact, uh, that Baker hook out tool. You know, for years I had one and never even bothered using it. It just kind of got rusty in the bottom of a box. But those are actually easier to use than the needle nose, yeah. uh, you know, than the long nose pliers because it, it's got that pistol grip. And, it, you know, when you're leaning over the water over the edge of the boat, you can hold it firmly as opposed to like a, uh, if you got a, uh, you know, regular pliers, you know, you can drop that pretty easily. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I've been going with that, uh, that, and, uh, I guess something to cut the line, a cutter. And, um, I was going to say a net, but a guy can get by without a net. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I guess that and a fishing pole. <laughs> if you're going to, I guess well, you got to have a fishing, fishing rod and reel if you're going to catch them. But yeah, you know, it's, you mentioned polarized glasses though, too. Uh, I cannot fish without them. Oh, I, no, I, I mean, gotta have them too. Matter of fact, I can't drive a car without them because I've gotten so used to always wearing the polarized glasses. And realistically, 
you know, eye doctors and so forth, they don't, and we've talked about this on the show before last year when I bought some, some good, some good brands. And I believe it was Lynn Dembeck called us and she works at an optometrist uh, office. Um, but, you know, polarized glasses help protect your eyes uh, as far as like eventually uh, getting uh, cataracts and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be wearing polarized sunglasses all the time. You know, and I, I think a person should have a hand towel, you know, hanging from their pocket or at least somewhere in the boat because some of those, you know, like pike and musky are slimy. You know, it's nice to have something to wipe your hands in than just your jeans. Uh, but any kind of fish, you know, your hands get wet. But, you know, speaking of the needle nose pliers, at one time I had this really nice stainless steel pliers. And, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, I can't remember if I dropped it or one of my kids dropped it over the side of the boat. <laughs> I, I don't remember, but I remember I lost it into the, into the, to the lake gods. So. Re- re- reminds me of a story. I was up fishing on Nungesser Lake, and uh, our friend Ron Johnson was with my friend Mark in another boat and I was with my dad in my boat and uh, I borrowed a a needle nose pliers and when I went to throw it back in Mark's boat I I pulled up and got what I thought was close enough and I lobbed the pliers and it didn't quite make it it banked off the side of the boat and into Nungesser Lake and you know my dad had been sitting there quiet you know, in the boat watching me. But as soon as I did it, he did the, the dad thing. He, I knew it, I knew it, I knew that was going to happen. He, he's just going <laughs> going off on me, and Mark and Ron are laughing. Oh, yeah, that one went in there. But classic. Yeah, yeah. you got to have those. Those are the tools, I guess, that a guy needs in the boat. Now, he jokes about Ron needing a comb. Well, we used to... Uh, you know, we used to make fun of Ron 20, 25 years ago because his hair was always perfect. Uh, nowadays, though, uh, Ron doesn't really uh, have a, a, a need a comb there, Scott. He has he all. I don't think I've seen him without a hat now since he's become a Bass Pro. He's always got a hat on. Of course, come to think of it, most of the time I always have a hat on. And Tom Newbauer, more than anybody, every time I see you without your hat on, Tom, it's kind of like shocking because. You don't even look, you look like a totally different person. Yeah, I know. You know, ever, I can't remember when it started. Many, many, uh, probably 40, 50 years ago, I don't know, I always wear a hat. I always wore a hat. And, I mean, even in the house, I would wear a hat. You know, I mean, I always wore the hat. And then last summer, I, I was going to Sherpers, and I forgot my hat. And you know what? Uh, I didn't care. You know, I just didn't care if I had it on or not. Well, you so, you got you got all your you have all your hair, Tom. Now, honest to God, I thought I would have thought without really uh, trying to think about it that you would be bald. So I was kind of shocked when I saw a big head of hair. And then I had a neighbor the other day. I've had a neighbor, same neighbor for four years now. I finally saw him without his hat. I was shocked to see he was bald. So no. <laughs> I thought he would have had hair. Hey, I think we got a caller, though. Hopefully they've All got right. their hat, hair, and everything in order as well. So let's go to him. All right, let's go to Rich in, on the west side of Milwaukee. Hey, good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning, guys. I'm fortunate. I've got a whole head of hair. I've got all my teeth. There you go. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, while I was turkey hunting last weekend, I had some uh, extra time to do some fishing, and I was fishing the 
Yellow River uh, out of Nasita. Yeah. And um, I was I ran into a school of um, freshwater drum. Have, okay. have either one of you ever caught those and tried eating them? Yeah, those are sheephead. Well, they, I, I looked them up, and I, I actually, they almost looked like they were two different things, but yeah, really? basically a sheep's head. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it is there an S in sheep's head, or is it sheephead? I think it's just sheephead. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, um, have I, 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 well, I hear they're really good smoked. Okay. You know, really good smoked, and they're probably the tupper, upper half of the, you know, like the loin part of the fillet. If yeah. you take out the bloodline, like with white bass, that's probably okay yeah. too. But I hear since they're an oily fish, they're very good smoked. They, from what I read, they uh, they they thrive on uh, uh, crustaceans or, or shellfish. Yeah, and uh, that that either people either like them or they hate them. So I I, I was just curious. Uh, yeah, exactly. Listening to you guys yeah. This morning. But if you're into smoking, you know, fish, try smoking some. You know, you know these things were about a pound and a half. I mean, a nice, a nice, you know, a nice little thick play they would have had. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, hey, the other thing, uh, Bushy, I'm going to be heading up to Door County Monday. Um, I usually take the third week of May up for the for the smallies up there. And you were mentioning uh, purple jigs. Yeah, the the purple purple marabou hair jigs uh, were what was really working well for walleyes up there and uh, they work well for the smallies when the water's cold and just cast it out count it down and just wind real slow and steady no no jerking no no it's 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 kind of uh you don't have to you can do the hopping it off the bottom if you want but uh it's it's really simple you don't have to overthink it you just uh just wind it slow once you get it down to the depth zone and it's surprising how well that can work. And I fished that for several years, and uh, we use shiners, and it's the same thing with the shiner. You, you gotta you gotta crawl it. And yeah, and it, it took me actually a while to to figure that that out. But the, uh, the, yeah, you can't the, jer- jerk that around at all. It's just reeling and slow, and boom, you know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I normally go like the week after Memorial Day. Uh, and I will be probably going then. And I, I may be co- going up there midweek, a couple days myself. Uh, my buddy Ron Johnson's doing that bass tournament right now as we speak, and I might meet him up there. So I may be up there. One bait that's worked well, well, two baits I would suggest, the pink X-Wrap, the old pinky working that jerk bait. Uh, that's great. And uh, also the Mega Bass Vision 110 if you got 25 bucks to uh, shell out. The X-Wrap's cheaper. Um, but you want to, if you're working those jerk baits, you can't have just a regular rod and reel and just mono. You want to have a real sensitive, fast action graphite rod and spool up with uh, either floral carbons okay or braid with a floral carbon leader because you got to be able to have that immediate contact uh, with the bait and be able to really get it working and really, you know, to get the hook set on them when they smack it because they'll hit it on the pause. But they hit it like a freight train, so if you do start getting into that jerkbait bite, you'll have the time of your life. All right. Good advice. All right. All well, right. Good luck. Call. Thanks for calling. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Okay, bye now. Yeah, we got a break coming up here, Danny. And when we come back, I'd, I'd like to talk uh, crankbaits, if you don't mind. Sounds right. good there. From a crankbaits by a cranky guy. There you go. <laughs> we'll talk a little crankbaits, folks. 
right here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors, so stay tuned for more. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. If you go fishing, don't forget the Baitmate or the Coleman. Keep those bugs off. Yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me there. <laughs> Gonna live? Oh, Tom. Anyway, oh, I had a little coughing fit He's there. He's getting old. <coughs> no, just, uh, I don't know. Must be that okay. trail mix getting okay. in my throat. You know, I, I thought it was maybe your uh, the peaches and cottage cheese that you were having there. I'm gay. I'm, I'm going to get to that at the, the gut report. But, you know, when it comes to crankbaits, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of different crankbaits made. And there's some crankbaits that are made, like, that they use down south that we probably never even heard of. But it seems like mo- the majority of crankbaits, except for... Normark, you know, Rapalas, they're made uh, out of plastic. And they're a lot tougher now than what they used to be. You know, years ago, I used to use a lot of Bagley's, and those were balsa wood. I used a lot of Pose, those were wood. Uh, a lot of the, uh, uh, there was a, some, some other ones too, and they were mainly made out of wood or balsa wood or something like that. And they, they broke easy. They, they, uh, they chipped easy, they broke easy. But nowadays, it seems like the crankbaits last longer. They're harder. They're, you know, they're made out of plastic. But you have an array of lips on them for all different depths, from one foot below the water to, like, you know, 20 feet below the water. I mean, it, 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 it's just amazing how they've, how they've come around. And they're, Oh, and there's one other thing. In the bass world, they use the word jerkbait. Which to me, when I see a, a bassing jerkbait, I think of a, a, a minnow imitator because it has a lip. And when I think of a crankbait, I think of, I mean, excuse me, when I think of a musky jerkbait, that's a lure that doesn't have a lip, you know. And so the bass anglers call jerkbaits lures that have lips, and musky anglers call jerkbaits that lures that don't have lips. For me. It gets kind of confusing. I mean, I know what they're doing, but at first it was confusing. Because when I think of a jerkbait, I'm thinking of a muscular with no lip on it. Well, but the <coughs> minnow imitators in the bass world are what they call jerkbaits. It, it, it can be uh, confusing, Tom. I remember one time I went to uh, Little Sturgeon with, with Scott, who just emailed us. And we went there in April, and <clears throat> we stopped at... Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a little corner uh, uh, gas station right across from a bar... Uh, I forget the name of the place, but I'll tell you what, for a little gas station kind of a place, they've got a great selection as far as uh, fishing baits. And uh, <clears throat> it was close to the boat launch, and we stopped in there, and they said, uh, boy, they're really getting a lot of pike out there. And I said, oh, yeah, what are, you getting them? What are they getting them on? He goes, jerk baits. So right away, I'm thinking, April, jerk baits? I'm thinking they're getting them on bobby baits and suix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, as it turned out, they they were they meant like husky jerks. Yeah. And I and Scott went out there, and this is many many years ago. 
Uh, I, I feel guilty about this now, but we went out and we caught our limit of, of pike. We caught, uh, you know, five each. We had 10 pike and, and, and we kept them. Now, nowadays, like I said, I feel guilty about that. And, uh, and then we went the next weekend and we got our limit again. Um, the first week we were catching, no, we didn't catch huge pike. Maybe a 30 incher was the biggest, but when we cleaned them, the females had eggs. And then the second week when we got the fish, they didn't. So they had finished spawning, but we were in fishing in about, oh, I don't know, anywhere from, uh, <clears throat> about four to six feet of water there in little sturgeon. We were the only boat getting them. There was one guy who was uh, wading out. No, he had some stupid little, like some little boat, not even a kayak. And he was going out catching them. But uh, they would hit on the paws. So if as soon as, you know, you'd be winding, steady retrieve. And then right when you got about, you know, 8, 10 feet from the boat, you'd give a jerk, jerk and pause. And wham, they'd grab it. Very now, similar to talking, what... Are you talking about the minnow imitating... Like bass jerk baits? I'm taught it was the husky jerk, Rapala okay, husky okay, jerk. Okay. Yeah, the basic Rapala yeah. husky jerk, which is a popular. I mean, you can cast it, you can troll it, and you can work it with the pause type retrieve, and it just hangs right there, you know, because it's got neutral buoyancy. Um, but yeah, uh, that's they they were slamming it. Yeah, I never would have, you know, never would have thought that's what they meant when they said jerk bait. But uh, they are a, a very versatile. Uh, type of bait. Now, when you think talk about crankbaits too, Tom, you were saying the ones made of balsa. How about the original Rapala floating minnow? Is that still made out of balsa? Yes. Yes. Okay. And they, and they say everyone is hand tested to make sure it runs straight. That's what they have say. A... So. Yeah, but That's... now the other baits uh, that they have um, aren't all. Uh, you know, I think some of their other baits are plastic, I'm guessing. I don't think that it's all balsa. Well, they Rapala... might, yeah, they might have some plastic ones, but they do make a lot of them out of balsa wood still. And I remember years ago, you know, when I'd be casting a Bagley's, and those were made out of balsa wood, and you hit a bridge piling or you'd hit rocks on shore, the lip would break off immediately. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, those, yeah, they were great baits, but... Uh, if you did that with a plastic bait now, it'd be no big deal, you know. Well, you want to talk about a uh, a bait that's near indestructible, uh, the slammer, the slammer, which our, our oh, friend yeah. Bill makes. Uh, those are, you know, those are gosh darn indestructible. Man, oh man, I've got some slammers that I've caught. I can't tell you how many muskies. They're all scarred up, chewed up, but uh, they still work fine. The only thing I've had to do is replace hooks multiple times but um you know i think the crankbaits yeah you know nowadays yeah the ones that are made out of uh out of the plastic definitely more durable but i think there's something to be said for the, the like that the the balance of the rapala and the balsa uh i mean when when he invented that lure it was to perfection and I, I don't know if you could mimic that bait if you if you tried to make it differently. I mean, it's it like I said, it's it's perfect, and that balsa wood must offer just the right amount of I don't know density or whatever uh, that makes it good for for a crankbait. Yeah, it, it you know all of those that were made then were really good. And you know, Danny, uh, here's a quick question for you. I don't know if you re I got to see if you remember this or not. 
speaking of Rapalas, uh, you know, we all know that they're made in Finland, right? But there is one other country where they're made in. Do you, know, do you remember what it was? Is it uh, Australia? No, it, it was Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, which is, seems kind of odd. You'd think maybe it'd be made in China or the U.S. or someplace, you know. But, yeah, it's Ireland where they're also made for. And you can always tell if they're made from Ireland because on the lip, it'll either say Finland or Ireland on the plastic lip. Huh. But I guess anyway. it, now, now that you mention it, I do believe I have seen that Finland uh, on the lip. But I'll tell you what, uh, the Rapala, as a kid, if a guy had, you know, Scott asked before, what, what three things would you have on the boat? Uh, as a kid, if you would have asked me what three baits am I going to have in my tackle box, it would have been a Rapala, a MEP spinner, and a, uh, and a Daredevil. Those would have been yep. my three. Um, that would have been my uh, uh, whatever. I think um, most people had those three, you know. Most anglers did, yeah. I think we got a caller, Tom. All right. Well, we got a couple minutes before break. All right. All right. We got Bill from Slammer Tackle. Calling us. Oh, all right. Hey, good morning, morning Bill. Bill. Hey, guys, how's it going? Going what's good, up? bud. What's up? Well, you're, you're, well, you're talking crankbaits. I kind of want to chime in a little bit. Uh, you know, when you're talking, you were just talking about the Bagley's being the balsa wood, and I think what I've seen is just the, the high buoyancy of that balsa wood makes the Bagley swim like a Bagley. It, it's it's virtually impossible to you know to repeat that kind of action out of a plastic bait so same with the rapalas you know the, the wood ones is, you know they use that high buoyancy also wouldn't it just makes the bait float and it and that you know so much hot you know so it, it pops up to the surface like a bobber so much better and then uh combine that with the diving lip and that's what you get that action from yep now your baits you make those. Do you make those out of uh, recycled uh, milk cart- cartons? Is that the story it's, on well, that? It's a it's a polystyrene plastic, and in, in, so we we started making our baits out of wood. And and um, you, you know, one thing we found out in a hurry, it's, it's hard to keep paint on wood. It's even harder to keep paint on wet wood when these muskies chew these things up. And so in 2007, we switched over to plastic. We were going to go hollow plastic like the grandmas and and depth traders and that, and then we the other option would be go solid plastic, and, and we wanted to keep the through wire construction, so so we went to it's called polystyrene, and part of the plastic is ground up. It, it's a recycled plastic, gotcha. yeah, but you still need you still need the pure plastic, the pure polystyrene to get the buoyancy right and everything like that, because we're we're striving the same thing with us. Our biggest problem at molding on the solid plastic is getting that buoyancy. You, you want them. You know, you want that, I, I want that point, as point as I can get the bait. And uh, um, so we do, we still need some pure pure polystyrene in it. But um, yeah, we, we there is some part of the recycled plastic in there. Yeah, well, I, I still have some of those old ones that you made out of wood that you're right, they have lost most of their paint. So I yeah, it's, hired it's, them and so, hung them up, you know. We, we, you know, I, there's some, there's certain times of year, I, I think, you know, you look at a, a fishing lure in general, it, it's a tool. Uh, you know, this, this spring I noticed that the water on Pewaukee has been really low, and some of the some of the areas we want to fish, like some of these rock bars and that out there, it, it's instead of being 
three or four feet underwater, it's one or two feet underwater. And you just, you can't use, you know, like I like the seven incher out there and, and it's just not buoyant enough because it, it swims too deep. So we actually, had, I, earlier this year, I switched to a six incher just because it doesn't swim as deep. And But, you know, it's, there's times where just that really buoyant when you're fishing, that real shallow stuff, um, you know, you, you want that real real buoyant style lure on the other hand if you're, you're fishing a lot of rocks and like tom you said earlier about the, the pier pilings and stuff like that yeah it, it's just you can't use that really um you know the, the real buoyant um also would be because it's just not tough enough and uh you know so you got to look at it as a tool that that there's right. certain times where i need the buoyant stuff there's certain times where i want something a little you know tougher than that well they right. work i know that well, listen, Bill, we appreciate you calling. we got to run to a break right now. All right, not, not a problem. So, yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. I just want to touch base with you guys on that. Stuff. All right, thank you. That was Bill thanks, Schwartz, Bill. maker of uh, Schwartz's Slammer Lures. Um, excellent lures for muskie and pike. And bass hit them too, right, Danny? Uh, bass, uh, I think Al Shook was with me when he got a big walleye trolling on him. And, yeah, uh, yeah get that uh, four-inch shad-style Slammer crankbait. And you can't go wrong for Pewaukee muskies. Yeah. So anyway, folks, we got to run to a break. Coming up next is the gut report, so stay tuned right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, folks, this, this is not going to be a cooking recipe or a cooking tip. It's just telling you about something that tastes good. Now, if you don't like cottage cheese, then, you know, this is not for you. But if you do like cottage cheese, I would recommend highly to pairing it and adding to either uh, pears, peaches, pineapple, whether they be canned or fresh, and cut up apples. You know, you dice these products, these, these fruits, and add them with the cottage cheese, and it is really good tasting. You ought to give it a try. And you know what? It's low in calories, too. And it's good for you. Anyway, the Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you'll find the best price, selection, and service. And that is no horn schwaggle. At 51st in Oklahoma and Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow and Waukesha. For weekly specials, just go to discountliquorinc.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. And uh, Tommy, uh, can we talk a little bit bass for a few seconds here? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, the Sturgeon Bay uh, Bass Annual Sturgeon Bay Open uh, is going right now, to, uh, yesterday and today. Um, I've got a copy of the uh, <clears throat> leaderboard here, and okay. I want to see if you recognize any of these names, Tom. Now, maybe you will, maybe you won't. It's interesting, uh, even though this is a uh, kind of a national tournament, people come from all over, it's amazing. Uh, the, most of the people leading this, you know, leading the charge and doing best are people from Wisconsin. Uh, so, number first place right now, uh, let's see, uh, Spencer, 
Sam Plowski and a Kyle Steinfeld. Uh, Spencer's from Egg Harbor, Wisconsin. Uh, you got a John Keeney on John Barons. They're from Hortonville in Wyawega. Uh, Corey Sprengel, Justin Cohn from Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, and two brothers, uh, Corey Johnston, Chris Johnston. They're, oh, these are the, these are the Canadian brothers. Um, they're in fourth place. But uh, I won't go through the whole list, but, uh, um, oh, here's a name that you would recognize, Chase Parsons and Gary Parsons. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're in seventh, seventh place. Uh, Chase is, is from Denmark, Wisconsin, and Gary from Gl- Glidden, or... I, I didn't I didn't realize that those guys were from Wisconsin. Yeah, I knew they were. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you ever compete in any tournaments against? Uh... No, they're mainly walleye guys. Okay. They're okay. walleye mostly, guys. That's... Mostly walleye guys. Yeah. Now, first place uh, right now is for five fish is what they can weigh in. Uh, first place is twenty six pounds nine ounces. Wow. Um, yeah, twenty six <laughs> pounds nine ounces. Wow. So. You got a that's a five fish um, five fish limit um, so that's obviously you can do the math it's over a five pound average. The biggest bass weighed in yesterday was seven pounds two ounces. Now wow. there's there's like a, I believe 142 boats in this tournament. Uh, our friend Ron who was with me here last week doing the show, uh, Ron along with his partner from Pewaukee, Paul Coburn. Um, they, uh, they're in 36th place uh, with 21 pounds, 10 ounces. So all the way to 36th. So you can see the difference between 21 and 26 pounds. That's not a lot of difference. And there's a whole bunch of anglers packed in between there. So this thing is, is, is really looking pretty tight. Yeah, and just think, he's got a four pound average and he's and he's only in 36th place right that's right. awesome just some unbelievable yeah i mean if 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 you want to be in the top uh top 60 you better have a 20 pound average uh i mean that's i mean that's crazy uh you know so and now in talking to uh in talking to uh, uh ron yesterday uh, I think it was the Canadian brothers that he was referring to. That uh, now they're they got a they're, they've got a 26 pound overall weight. I'm not sure if they were the ones that got the seven pounder, but Ron had talked to them the day before while pre-fishing. I think it was I think it was them or it was them or one of the other top teams, and he asked them how they did, and that and they said didn't catch a fish today. And he was shocked when they said that, didn't catch a fish today, so that would have been Thursday. And now they're in the top leading, you know, the day after, all of a sudden they're doing well. So what Ron was speculating was this, was when they said we didn't catch a fish today, they weren't lying to him. But what they were doing, what they had done, they probably didn't catch a fish. They had been out scouting and he's pretty much figured out that they must be fishing bedded bass and they must have uh, went and they found where some big bass were bedded shallow and they went back and they didn't fish for them. They left them alone and they knew where they were and they went back and drop shot at them. Yeah, uh, that's... At, first, at first I was going to say they're probably lying, but you're right. They just scouted and found where they were, you know, sure. Right. And, and why uh, do you want to catch them, you know, ahead of time? 
you know, wait until the tournament comes around. Yeah. Well, when I when I used to pre-fish, you know, for uh, musky tournaments, I I would just pull my bait out of the water if I had a follow. I didn't want to catch it that day. You know what I mean? I I, I didn't want to burn that fish, so I I wouldn't even figure eight. Uh, I'm not there trying to catch a fish the day before a tournament. Now, uh, a couple of well-known names here. Um, Eric Hadia and Brett Alexander up there, they are currently in eighth place. They've got uh, 24 pounds, 11 ounces. Now, obviously, when you're up there guiding full-time and you live up there, uh, you should obviously have have an advantage uh, because you should know some of those spots. You know, the Bay right. of Green Bay... It's such a big, vast area um, that, I mean, there's there's got to be some of those hidden spots on the spots. Well, even like our friend Dave Olson was telling us that, you know, Dale Strohshine will tell them some spots. They go right here, do this, do that, and there will be some hidden spot, and bang, he catches fish. Uh, only, you know, it, it's just by knowing the water, and that's a, that's a big body of water, so you can't just learn it overnight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it it takes a while to learn those big bodies of water. So now, now musky fishing tournaments. I don't know. Um, what it's been my experience that, sure, uh, you know, I've placed in some tournaments here, uh, had a shot at winning a couple here and there. If we, you know, could have put it just a few things together, placed in a number of them. But obviously, if you live and guide on a lake. You should be a favorite, but a lot of times it was the it's the out of towner in a musky tournament that gets the fish. And what I've found is, uh, if if you you know are guiding on a lake, sure you know all those hot good spots. The problem is is during a tournament, all the other locals and everybody know those same spots, and so basically the uh, the good good areas get pounded heavily. And the, the out-of-town guy who maybe doesn't show up with any preconceived notions on what are the best spots to fish, he goes off in a different direction and stumbles upon some unmolested fish somewhere where you normally wouldn't think to fish. Because yeah, it's you're not right. one of those hot spots that you all know about. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I guess, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, and some, there, there is a certain amount of luck involved in the tournaments. For every tournament, and I'm sure you've got your tales, uh, Ron has a lot of them, where in musky tournaments were the same. You'd all come in and you, everybody would be lamenting, oh, we had one right up to the boat and lost it. Oh, it's, you know, this happened, that. If I'd just gotten this, we would have placed here. And uh, I think everybody in tournaments has, has had that. I'm sure you did too, where you maybe yeah. you didn't take first place, but it was that one fish or one heart heartache heartbreak that you didn't land a fish that would have won the tournament. Well, you know, it's funny. At muskie tournaments uh, years ago that I fished, if you didn't do well, it didn't matter. You were still there at the launch site, you know, milling around, having a beer, talking with the other anglers, doing, saying just what you said lamenting about the one that got away or the follow that didn't hit and stuff like that. But at bass tournaments, shoot, shoot, if these guys don't do well, they're gone. They leave. They don't stand around and talk. No? No. They, uh, they, they, they go home with their tail between their legs? Yep, 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 they leave. I mean, I'm not, this is at your, you know, like at the tournaments here in Wisconsin and at state, you know, state tournaments. At the big national tournaments, no, then they stick around because 
you know, there's usually hundreds and hundreds of people, maybe a thousand people, you know, watching the weigh-in, and and these people, you know, then they go talk to the people and all that. So, you know, it's different for the national ones. Danny, we got to go to a break right now, but coming up next, folks, is the Hornschwaggle. So if you want to be involved, if you want to be a contestant and, and win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market and a prize package to uh, uh, bait-made fish attractants and Coleman insect repellents, just be a contestant. And now if you've won in the last two months, don't bother call- calling because Sam is keeping a record of everybody who's won in the last two months. So give somebody else a chance. Let them uh, have a chance at a prize. Danny will make three statements. You get two out of three right, you're a winner. So anyway, give a call at 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Be a contestant for the Hornschwaggle, and we will be right back. And that's Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. Thanks for getting on board the crazy train today. We always take, make it a point to thank law enforcement, military, healthcare workers, first responders, and uh, we also thank our listeners out there, uh, both near and far. Thanks for getting on board. And right now, do we have a lucky contestant for the Hornswoggle? Yes, we do. Today, we got Mike in Economowoc. Mike, how you doing? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Tam. Good morning, Dan. Okay, so here we go. Today's topic, being as you know, uh, you know, Tom more or less kind of led me th- along this path. Jerk baits. We're going to talk musky jerk baits. Uh, the suic, the world famous suic, was originally uh, made by Frank Suic because he wanted to get an alternative to buying suckers all the time and save some money. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle. No Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle. Okay. The Bobby Bait. The Bobby Bait. Another famous musky bait. Uh, the Bobby Bait works great for muskies, but not for Northern Pike. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? Uh, Hornschwaggle. Hornschwaggle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. I got, a, I got a little Bobby Bait Jr. It's a fire tiger, all chewed up. I used that up over the cabbage beds, weeds, up in Canada years ago. If you had a good chop going, you could drift over those cabbage weeds, kind of launch that out, and just kind of keep it bouncing through the tops of the weeds, and you'd just see the pike just roll up and smack it. So that it, uh, was great. Okay, and finally, in addition to the suic and bobby bait, the reef hog is another popular jerk bait for muskies. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Okay, you're three for three. Good job. Obviously, Mike is a fisherman. Have you been doing any fishing lately? No, I haven't, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, it's getting warm here, and uh, I know the water temps should be climbing. Muskies should be getting active at some time, along with the uh, the other fish, so good luck with your season. Uh, we'll put you on hold. Sam will get your information, and uh, we'll get the stuff out to you. Okay, thank you very much. You bet, buddy. Okay, Tom. Yeah, Mike Mike did know his fishing stuff. He was quick on the answers. 
He was quick on that. Yeah. 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 I, I I don't know. Did you, when you were back in your musky fishing days, did you use suix a lot or jerk baits? I mean, it was one of yeah. I did use a lot of jerk baits, and suix were one of my mainstays. As a matter of fact, I would, uh, you know, I'd get before they came out with weighted suix, we would weight our own suix. You know, you'd have to drill a hole, but only so far. You wouldn't want to drill it all the way through. And then we'd put like an epoxy coating, and we'd use egg sinkers. And we'd put in that hole with the epoxy coating. We'd weight them ourselves. Because, you know, an unweighted suic doesn't stay down very well. You know, it doesn't go very deep. But if you took a weighted suic, it could go down a little bit deeper, kind of suspend a little bit. I mean, it would still float up, but it would float up very, very slowly. So just had to, you know, uh, you know, play with them yourselves. Yeah. You know, what I used to do is... Um with my bobby bait in the spring about this time of year i would take it and put it in a bucket of water for a week and uh, i'd even put some sinkers on the hooks to kind of get it down to the bottom so it was completely submerged and being as it was all chewed up and paint missing that would let it get you know waterlogged and that right. would that would basically accomplish that purpose where it wasn't all dried out and it wasn't as buoyant it would so you didn't have to work as hard to keep it down. Right, right. And uh, exactly. and I also, uh, you know, had read a book in my Muskie Pike book. They actually show that technique, uh, how to drill the holes and do the epoxy thing. Uh, another another uh, trick that they showed was you can use, I think there was like some, uh, some uh, uh, you could use like the two-sided tape and uh, with like some strips of, uh, uh, strips lead. of lead. Yeah, it was lead. Yeah, it was a side. Uh, one. It was a one-sided tape with lead on one side, and a sticky tape on the other. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah, that worked and really then, good too. And yeah, you could uh, you could you know put that on. Or you could tap it in with a little hammer even or a little nail too. So, yeah, lots. And then eventually somebody got smart over at the Suic factory and thought, hey, being a why everybody's waiting our Suix, why don't we sell a weighted Suix? Yeah, exactly. We can make more money on them, charge more. And, and then, and then the same with the bobby bait. Mm-hmm. Um, now I found that the bobby bait, the weighted bobby baits, just don't. Mine didn't seem to have the action though that the unweighted one did. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I guess I never used it a whole lot. Steve Milliot was a big fan of the weighted Suix. Um, yeah, he was he was working that. And the thing, I, I never, I, I never really got into using the Suic. Uh, I just now and, and also the other thing I've noticed is, I, no two people work the Suic the same. Um, some people, my cousin loved the Suic. He'd use long pulls and uh, and long pauses. Uh, Steve, when he worked the jerk bait Suic. He worked it with way more quick twitches, kind of like when I'm working a uh, Mega Bass Vision, you know, 110 for smallies. He worked it with fast twitches. So, I don't know, you know, I guess uh, I guess there's more than one way to skin a cat, and there's more than one way to uh, uh, work a suic. Wh- whoever came up with that, more than one way to skin a cat, by the way, that's kind of... That's kind of a bad reference there, I guess. So yeah, the cats don't like that reference. No, no, I I'm a cat. You know, I like cats myself. So uh, sorry for that bad reference there. You wonder where some of these uh, some of these references come from. Um, 
Anyway, uh, Tom, I'm uh, looking at uh, some news here. Uh, I don't know uh, any of our listeners if they get up to the Minocqua chain, but apparently uh, they're going to have a uh, virtual public hearing May 24th. They're looking at extending the catch-and-release walleye regulations on the Minocqua chain of lakes. Uh, apparently, uh, the, the, the uh, population has been down. Uh, they've had stocking efforts up there in, in several years, I guess, of no harvest. Uh, but they're um, still not getting the natural reproduction. And apparently, there's a low uh, population surveys show there's a low abundance of male walleye in the lake. So uh, evidently, they're going to have to do something. But one thing that you would like, they're talking about uh, in 2025, uh, if they go to the catching, you know, where it's not catch and release, they're talking about doing a slot limit where there'd be an 18-inch minimum length and then fish from 22 to 28 would not be kept. And then a daily bag limit of one fish, which is something you've always been kind of grumbling about that you'd like to see on some waters around here. Yeah, I don't know about that that one that they're proposing because, you know, I fish Monaco Lake and... Uh, or, and I should say the chain of lakes. And, you know, when you're fishing for other species of fish on that lake, you will catch walleyes. I mean, there's walleyes in that lake, uh, in all those lakes up there. But, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. But, listen, we got to go to a break. We can, we can continue this discussion. Uh, but I do have some news to tell you about a giant fish uh, after the break, okay? Sounds after good. We got the top of the hour break, folks, so stay tuned. We got more coming up right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Entercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back, folks. We got one more hour to go here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Now, people also call me Tommy the True, but over the years, John and Dan have given me other nicknames like Hardtail and Hard Bottom. I don't know why, but I get them. Uh, and if you want to be part of the show, all you got to do is call us at 799-1250. That's 799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And if you call us, the phone will be answered by Sam Schmitz, our executive producer, so anyway, we're we're back for a second hour, Dan. Do you want me to tell you what the big news is? Yeah, I'm I'm on pins and needles, Tom. Okay, you know what a giant grouper is, right? Right. They look like they look like a largemouth bass. They they grow between 400 and 800 pounds. They're huge fish down in the Gulf. Now you couldn't go out and catch and keep one for years. There was a uh, uh, a moratorium on them because uh, they were almost extinct. Well, they've come back big and strong. Well, of course they're big, but they've come back strong. 
and now the uh, Florida uh, Fish and Game is going to allow, I forget if it's something like 10 grouper a year that can be caught. I forget exactly how many, but so many, uh, maybe like 10, 10 a year. But it's going to cost, you've got to get to a pool, uh, a lottery pool, and it's going to cost like $300 to be in this pool to catch one. But can you imagine how long would that feed a family of four? <laughs> a four to five, six hundred pound grouper. Unreal. Yeah, they they are huge. Uh, I read an article years ago about, uh, I think I mentioned it on the air, about this guy was going out fishing on, on, on up, you know, somewhere down, I think, near Florida. And apparently there's like some wreck down there, some some ship or something. And he was hooking into these giant grouper and they were just snapping his line. I mean, and he, he's using heavy, heavy stuff, man. You know, like, you know, 100-pound braid, musky stuff, and it would, you know, just snap like a rifle going off. Um, yeah, it, 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 it finally he, he geared up and did manage to catch some of these huge things. So, yeah, yeah that's a I, giant uh, fish. I've seen, I've seen some videos on YouTube where the, those fish would give you all the all you can handle. I mean, literally, I mean, some of these guys had to be held by friends so that the fish didn't pull them overboard. I mean, there's some big, strong fish, you know. It's just, but what gets me is they look like a bass, you know. They look like a bass. It's just amazing. Hey, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad we don't have bass that big up here. Hey, uh, another story I heard this. Yeah. Another story I heard this week, uh, I, I was listening to the radio, and uh, Henry Winkler, the Fonz. Yeah, I uh, saw that. <laughs> yeah, evidently, he's a big fly fisherman, and uh, he posted a, a, a picture of him in a beautiful trout. Uh, still got the fly in its mouth, and he just put, I can't even express the beauty everywhere on our planet, and there he's being attacked Yep. Um, they, uh, the Twitter warriors are basically, uh, saying that he's, uh, you know, he's peddling animal cruelty. Um, uh, here's one, it says somehow a picture of you holding a dead animal you did not have to kill doesn't match your sentiments. Uh, I hope you put that beautiful fish back in the beautiful water to continue to live a beautiful, peaceful life. Death to any animal is not beautiful. Well, you know... What, how, people are just idiots in this world. Nowadays, it's not like he's kneeling next to a dead deer with blood on his hands. He's got a fish. He's holding it. Obviously, you know, th th these people are idiots. They don't realize most people are all into catch and release. And even if he did want to keep the trout to clean it and have it on the campfire, who cares? I, I guess uh, another reason not to be on Twitter, I guess. Well, you know, I've always said that the fish and game on this planet were put here to be used, not abused, but to be used by, by humans, you know. That's what they're here for. Uh, I, mean, I mean, people get so worked up over, you know, somebody catching fish or shooting a deer or whatever. Can you imagine if we didn't have regulations on, let's say, animal management in this state? We'd be overrun with deer, you know, and other yeah, animals. I, I mean, we'd be overrun with them. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I think people that are weighing in on, you know, making negative comments like that, you know, there's a lot of people that just, 
I don't know, they just are miserable people and they don't have a life and they just want to weigh in and be an expert on everything and get their two cents worth. Like somebody, the old, old friend, old expression, who died and left you in charge, you yeah. know? And that's, that's it. I, uh, I also am looking here, though, online, and it looks like uh, Henry Winkler, uh, the Fonz, wrote a book, New York Times bestseller. The title is this. You'll like this. I've never met an idiot on the river. Reflections <laughs> on family, photography, and fly fishing. You know, I, I, he just hasn't met too many people. Cause, well, you know, most you know uh, who, he, who who was that? Uh, Mark Twain said, "I never met a somebody I didn't like, or I forget what it was." But when you're fishing, most people that I've met fish, fishing are decent people, nice people. But there are a few jerks out there. It seems like every segment of society. Wherever you come from, there's always going to be a few jerks, you know. Well, there, so. there you go, getting all negative on us there, Tom. Well, but um, it's true. I mean, it's true. I mean, not everybody is a nice person like me, you know. You're, well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Not everybody Hey, buddy, uh, have an idea. Next time, take your straps off your, and have your boat ready before you launch so I don't have to wait. Yeah, I can That's hear right. you. I can hear you. <laughs> you got to make sure to give them your two cents worth. By oh, I golly. I, I'm well, real quiet now. I'm sure quiet. You, you just don't want to have a heart attack. Um, That's right. Henry, there uh, you go. <laughs> well, Henry Winkler, now here's the thing. He says he never met an idiot on the river. He's talking about fly fishing out, you know, in some streams. And I can see those people, those guys are purists. They enjoy the nature. They share the pools with the grizzly bears and the other anglers. He's not talking about walleye fishing <laughs> or white bass fishing on the wolf river uh or the fox river because yeah you you can have some stories there you know my brother-in-law got into a war with some people on the river this year you know and uh you know people are flipping each other off and everything else so yeah that's a different kind of that's the combat fishing I no longer, I prefer not to do any combat fishing these days. If there's going to be a bunch of people out there, ah, forget it. I'll go someplace else. You know, and and another thing too, you know, Bay of Green Bay, um, obviously, you know, a lot of people like to troll and catch walleyes and and the, the trolling bite for muskies, you know, that's a very popular thing in the lower bay, but uh, I go out there and it's, I don't know, you'll see boats trolling with, you know, 12 planer boards spread yeah. across, I don't know, 100 yard. I mean, out on either side and it looks like Lake Michigan fishing and somehow fishing for muskies, I don't think should look like Lake Michigan fishing. I mean, it's legal. They do it. I'll be up there trolling a couple planer boards, probably by myself. I'll probably just have two lines in the water. But, uh, and I can see guides, you know, they got three guys on the boat. They're going to put nine, nine out there. But, I, you know, and, and even, I, I mean, I've trolled multiple lines on Pewaukee here too. But there is almost something to be said for, you know, uh, just keeping it simple and, and not making it, you know, like I said, like it's a Lake Michigan charter type situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen guys trolling with those kind of setups, you know, uh, the planer board sticking out, you know, quite a ways from the boat. 
and there, one's going one way, the other one's coming the other, they're coming at each other. And then you just kind of sit back and watch and see, okay, who's going to move first and how many swear words are going to be said, you know? Well, I got into it a situation up uh, up in the Bay of Green Bay where I'm, I'm trolling a shoreline with no planer boards out. A boat is coming from the other direction. Now, he's out in deeper water than I am, his boat itself, right? Yeah. But then his starboard planer boards are running all the way to the shoreline, right? So the one, his far planer boards coming directly at my boat. And he doesn't want to veer out a little bit. And finally, when the guy got close to us in the, in the dark, he goes, oh, you guys got lines out? I said, yeah, we're fishing a shoreline. Oh, he goes, it's port to port. And I says, I understand. Um, and then he yells again, it's port to port. Well, what he meant by port to port, Tom, is this. Uh, generally, when you're on the water, if you got two vessels approaching towards each other, it's like, right. yeah, correct. But, or, yeah. I, and I said to him, I said, I understand, I'm a captain, but that doesn't mean you're planer board. In other words, his, his planer board coming right at me is not his vessel. Um, I don't have to. So he's basically expecting me to loop 75 yards out minimum from the shoreline just so I can go out and around his boat and pass port to port. And it, it, it's a bunch of crap. You know, it's, it's BS, you know, and it wouldn't have mattered had our boats been in opposite directions where he would have been the port to port one. He would have done the same thing. He would have kept his planer, planer board. And it is literally, even if you're sitting there not under power, you know, which then, you know, you can be, you know, anchored or not under power and you don't have to move out of somebody's way. He still would be trying to run you right off. I mean, these guys are unbelievable. And it could have been a guide up there. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I, I uh, normally I do just when I see those dummies coming, I just loop away ahead to another, you know, different part of the shoreline to fish. But this one time I did, and, and my brother was with me at the time, and he said, I'm glad you stood your ground for a change. Um, yeah, because I had actually put the boat in neutral and was just waiting for him to go around. All he would have had to do is deviate, you know, 10 yards, and he could have just moved off a little bit, but he didn't want to do it. Let me, I, well, you said port. Now, starboard is right, correct? And port is left? Correct. So you got to pass on the left side? No, oh, no. The other ship has got to be on your left. Correct. And then so both, you're then on base... the right, he's got to be on the left. Okay. Right. And then your that's port side will be, you know, opposite his port side. Right. That's 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 what I meant when I said right. Right. Passing on yeah, the right. So yeah. So he, he expected me to go looping out there but uh, and again i i had this talk with dennis radloff years ago where even like trolling out on pewaukee you get guys who don't want to move off a brake line and uh and you guys know who you are um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they're listening now and i uh i uh would normally just say screw it i'm just gonna loop out and around and uh and many times i'd loop out around be it a sailboater or a uh, uh, whoever, whatever, and I'd catch a fish that I wouldn't have caught if I hadn't made that, you know, loop out just to get out of the way. Because I'd rather just not butt heads and go through, go through, go through the, uh, go through the hassle. So most of the time, just go ahead, swing on out, and what the heck? A lot of times it's going to work out for you anyway. 
Well, what's the rule if uh, if a guy is in a boat not trolling, he's casting, he's on the weed line edge out a little ways and he's casting, and a troller wants to troll that weed line edge, who is well, supposed if, to move? Well, if, if you're not under power, uh, basically the, the vessel that's under power is the one that's supposed to move. That's, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to, like, just get out of their way just because they're trolling their planer boards there. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, and and I hate to see this too. I know a lot of a lot of our listeners out there have probably had negative experiences with guides oh, yeah. where they're fishing somewhere peacefully and a guide comes roaring on up and guys tries to push them off the spot because they're a guide and oh, you know, I'm a guide here. You got to move, you know, and they don't have to. Exactly. Well, what we have to do is take a break. Another break, folks. It's only going to be a few minutes, so stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards. Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you got a fishing report or comment, question, 414-799-1250. Sam will pick up, put you on hold, and we can get to you. Also, you can email us at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Do we have any emails, Tom, or was the, just no, the one from Scott? I you think know? a lot of people are fishing right now. Well... Yes, that nice definitely, uh, yeah. And, you know, we were talking about uh, Minaqua chain uh, catch and release only. Not a whole lot of people like to catch and release when they're walleye fishing. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. I think most people like to eat walleyes. Yeah, that's right. And that's why uh, I can't, I mean, I, uh, I don't want to get all fired up and everything about uh, Lake LaBelle, but, uh, you know, it's just funny that, you know, when the DNR does a 10-year study and it lasts for over 30 years, you got to ask questions, you know. And and, and I, I'm not all fired up about it, but you got to think that a 28-inch size limit is a, a little ridiculous, you know, a little ridiculous. I can see that on the Fox River with the spawning fish and all that. But uh, Lake LaBelle has got, God, there's so many walleyes in that lake. And you think they could have some type of slot limit with, that would ensure the spawners to spawn, you know. Um, well, who knows? Maybe you know, somewhere down the road they'll change it. You know, who knows? Now, I think it's LaBelle. Yeah. Uh, that I was talking to taxidermist Dan Johnson, who is Ron's brother. Mm-hmm. And I believe he told me he had done a, I believe it was a 48-inch pike out of LaBelle. That he oh, had, uh, that he I had would believe mounted. It. Yeah, because there's there's yeah. pike in there. There's musky in there. I mean, there's not a lot of pike. There's not a lot of musky, but they are in there. But it does have a lot of bluegills and crappies, you know, and largemouth bass and smallmouth bass. You know, I mean, it has the other fish in it. The only thing too there is that it, it, the, the the launch is very precarious. I mean, there's a launch, but there's no parking at the launch. You have to go park on the street somewhere. 
And that's why I don't understand why the DNR doesn't, instead of investing money in these tracts of land in northern Wisconsin that aren't being used by anybody for anything, I mean, why why don't they uh, maybe invest a little money in uh, getting a, some land and, and having a boat launch, a DNR launch on Lake LaBelle, you know? Because some hey, yeah. some, sometime down the road, they're going to make it uh, illegal to park within you know, on the city street uh, with a trailer, you know, with a boat trailer attached, you know, because the people who live out there, you know, they get upset at that, you know, nobody can come and visit them because there's no parking in front of their house, you know, and they might have a a six-block maybe quarantine where you can't park within a six-block area of of the boat launch. I mean, I don't know, but I would just seem to think it would be a good idea to, to put a DNR launch on that lake. Yeah, um... Yeah, I know you've talked about that before. I've never really done a whole lot of, whole lot of fishing there. Um, a couple other announcements, though. I believe uh, in a couple weeks, uh, the DNR is going to have the free. Uh, let's see, June uh, June fifth and sixth, they're going to have the free fun weekend, where in the state, no park stickers, fishing licenses, or trail passes are required. June 5th and 6th. So that's one nice thing that they do do. Um, so that'll be coming up as well. Uh, there's a lot of meetings. If you, if you are interested in getting involved, the DNR pretty much has all virtual meetings now where people can, uh, can make comments. Uh, I know they are going to have a, a virtual meeting on May 26th. Um, and they're going to be talking about a number of different things on the agenda. Uh, proposed uh, elk management plan, chronic wasting disease, a whole whole bunch of different things. So you can get involved uh, if you want to uh, if you want to uh, get involved in some of those uh, some of those things. One thing I I'll run this by by you, Tom. Uh, I wanted to ask you this question. I got a notice that the DNR announced that they're spending three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. There's so the DNR announces $385,000 in funding to reduce diesel engine emissions. Now, here's my, here's my question, Tom. Uh, we all want to, uh, you know, pollution, obviously, that, that's something that we all want to work on in this world. But is that really the Department of Natural Resources uh, business to be spending you know, over a quarter, close to half million dollars to reduce diesel engine emissions. Are they talking about car and truck diesel engines or are they talking about trains or what? Well, in the news release, they got a picture of a engine in a truck. And uh, let's see, it's, uh, yeah, there it's, it says the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, began awarding clean diesel grants in 2008 under the Diesel Emissions Reduction Act. Um, So it says, while aging diesel engines often remain reliable, they produce more pollution than newer ones. Um, Yeah, so evidently uh, the DNR is somehow involved. They're making progress towards Governor Tony Evers' executive orders 38 and 52, which focus, and I'm kind of reading this now on the news release, which focus on reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Um, yeah, they're not going to reduce. Oh, I don't even want to say the words. 
it, it, it you know, if 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 here 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 it is, if Tony Evers wants to uh, reduce greenhouse gases, you know, the carbon dioxide, all the Democrats just got to stop breathing. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, just, if it, they're it's, so it, worried about it, just stop breathing. I, you know, I don't not, know. I, I, you're not going to get rid of them. You're, there's well, always going to be greenhouse gases. Always, always, always. The sun provides the majority of them, too. It happens with trees, you know, when they die. And, you know, every winter they give off carbon dioxide. You're never going to get rid of it. So I don't know who they're trying to kid, but yet they're going to spend tons of money, our money, to try to get rid of something that you can't get rid of. Go well, I don't, I, don't, I don't mind them doing it, Tom. I think we do have to put some efforts in there. Oh, well, yeah, uh, but we but I just... Clean air. I just don't. I just don't. I just don't know if the Department of Natural Resources. Uh, I think they're supposed to manage our fish and our game and some other things. I really don't know if diesel engines is really where their money ought to be going. Whether they got it from a grant from uh, the EPA or not. Anyway, I guess we got a caller, Tom. Okay. Alrighty. Nope. Never mind. He just dropped off. Oh. Just dropped off. Oh. Okay. Well, Sam, you want to be the caller? Ah, uh, sure. Why not? You want to, you, let's talk some more Aaron Rodgers here. Why not? Yeah, a little. Yeah, boy, boy, that's sure. Boy, talk radio. You guys have had a, uh, you know, sports talk radio sure has had a, a, a gift handed to them on a silver platter, both uh, network and uh, cable and uh, and radio. You got you got a great topic and talk about every day now, Sam. Yeah, even uh, going back to when they selected Jordan Love, everybody was saying, well. That's the story that writes itself for the next couple months. But, I mean, now it's, it's getting to the point, though, and more so for me, too, that I just need to hear it from the horse's mouth. I got to hear it from Aaron Rodgers at this point. I don't know what's real, what's not. It's kind of getting ridiculous that it's so it's so different from the Favre situation, but at the same time, it's like we're going through this again, but it's just a weird time. We got to hear from Rodgers hopefully soon. I don't know. Why, well, why doesn't the – why doesn't the guy just come on out and make a statement? Or does he kind of, you know what, I think he's a diva. He probably likes everybody well, talking about him. Here's the thing, though. I feel like this is, you know, nothing. I feel like, you know, it's, the story's been ramped up more dramatically, more so than ever. But doesn't it feel like we've been through this before with Aaron Rodgers like five times already where the media puts out a story, they run with it for months and months and months. You hear nothing from Aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers comes out and talks like months after and just downplays it all and says, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm just living here in my shack out in Washington with, you know, Shailene Woodley and all that, and, and everything's just fine. Well, yeah, it's probably I, her fault. I, <laughs> yeah, I, you know what, I, that, the, the whole fact that Adam Schefter dropped it, dropped the story, and apparently his agent is the same agent as Aaron Rodgers has, I think. Uh, there's something, is there something to that, Sam? Uh, and, they, and he dropped it on draft day. I, I still don't think that's an accident. No, he definitely held the story until then, which is kind of a little shady. But it's the, I don't know, the, that's how the four-letter network uh, operates, I guess. Well, speaking of the four-letter network, um, one thing I don't like about the four-letter network is I just want them reporting on sports, not getting into politics myself. Oh, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, they've gotten a little bit, yeah. So I'm not as big a fan of the some of those networks as I was in the past, although uh, they can have some good fishing shows. In fact, now Bally, I see Bally Sports, Sam, is on showing up on my screen all the time. So it looks like Bally. Now, I used to work for Bally when they owned the health clubs, and they, of course, got the casino. 
same exact logo. Uh, looks like they took over some of the network channels there. Do you know anything about that, Sam? Oh, man, you just – that was a throwback reference right there because my parents used to go to the gyms and all that. So I just kind of laughed at that. But, no, I mean, it's I'm still kind of getting used to it. You know, I have uh, – I don't know about you guys. I'm, I assume you got cable. I have YouTube TV. And this whole situation right now is still tricky with all these Brewer fans trying to watch their games and all that. Bucks too, and you know, I I, I like the new rebranding and stuff like that, but uh, it's just taking a little getting used to. Gotcha. I just don't want to see politics in any sports. I'm with you, but you know, just want I just want to see the games. That you know, the heck with the politics. Just you know, no, do that on your own time. You know, people. I'm with you, but you know. I mean, it's it's negligent to say that they can't coexist because you know, I wish you know Jackie Robinson wishes he could just play the sport and not have to worry about you know all the politics that came with it back in the day and yeah, stuff really. like that. So exactly. You know, we we say that, but at the same time, like, it has a place in a place in time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Well, how about we go to a break there, Sam? Let's do it. time, okay? All right, folks, we'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back. Remember, welcome back, Cotter, Tom. Oh, welcome yeah. back. That was a good show. Uh, welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. And, Tom, I got a, a live uh, report coming at you from Pewaukee Lake. There are boats out on the east end uh, anchored, and uh, several boats anchored, and they're fishing panfish. I pulled out the binoculars. Yeah. So that tells me that maybe, perhaps, maybe they're getting some crappies now. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I when I, I visited Lowy yesterday, uh, or Thursday, and I looked out the window from her apartment to look down at the water, and I didn't see any pumpkin seeds yet up close. No, um, I haven't yet. seen. No, now there were some on a sunny, one of the sunny days, there were some male bass cruising around, and yeah. uh, some of the kids next door at the bait shop uh, were catching a couple of them. Uh, when I went over by the sports dock this week, I went for a bike ride and uh, sunny afternoon, and uh, I went out on their piers. There is some beautiful cabbage weeds growing. Man, oh man, I couldn't believe it. But on one particular uh, patch of cabbage, there were five great, really big bluegills right on top of the weeds in about a, you know, a couple yard square area, five of them, and they were big. But then I went by all the other piers and looked at all the other cabbage weeds, and they had nothing on them. So I don't know why those big bluegills were on top of those weeds there. Well, well, with the warmer coming, weather coming this week, uh, a lot of those, uh, a lot of the fish will be coming up shallow. You know, the bass will be coming up shallow, and that. So, you know, that that's gonna that's gonna start pretty soon. It's, it's supposed to be beautiful weather this coming week. As a matter of fact, Danny, Thursday, I got my garden planted. Almost everything that I was planting, I put in on Thursday, and man, was I sore after that. Well, that's good. Get getting your exercise there. Oh yeah, Mr. Farmer McGregor. Uh, we've got a caller. Okay. 
All right, let's go to Leo and Wasaki. Hey, Leo. Hey, morning, guys. Morning. Morning. The uh, oh, first, the uh, another allure that I've always had in the box when I was younger is that green and yellow jitterbug. Oh yeah, right. jitterbugs caught, were very, very popular. Caught some nice northerns just before dark. You know, bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> you do a good job there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this guy loves fly fishing. You'll know who he is. Anyway, he entered a tournament, caught a 42-inch salmon, and won the tournament. On a when fly? He, when he's uh, fly fishing, yep. About, with a fly rod net, eh? Yes, fly oh, rod. wow. But he uh, loves fly fishing, and when he's on the road, he always stays at hotels or motels near where he can go fly fishing. And uh, you'll know this guy. He's quite the guitar player, singer, songwriter. Guy named Eric Clapton. Oh, really? He, I didn't know he was into uh, fly fishing. Yeah, a long time ago when he got uh, straight and clean and everything, he took that up. And he is one of the world's best guitar players. Indeed. I mean, wow. <clears throat> but uh, huh. that's about it. I'm still waking up here. Yeah, well, uh, thanks. Thanks for the word, Leo. Huh? Okay, but Take care. Uh, right, so we got right so we got both Henry Winkler and Eric Clapton are fly fishermen. Yeah, I, I you know, I heard a, a, a train whistle in the background. Was that by you or by him? Uh, that's by me. Oh, that was by you, huh? I hear the trainer coming. Yeah, <laughs> so we got the, I suppose I could close the window, but I'm trying to check on the, on the peep, trying to watch the crappie fishermen out there. Hey, Tom, let me ask you this. Uh, worms. Um, the DNR has a, you know, on their website, they said they, they got a, uh, a piece out that talks about how to find worms if you're a kid, you know. Now, I didn't need the DNR to tell me how to find nightcrawlers as a kid. Yeah, uh, really? Yeah, I'd, we'd go uh, spray water on the garden, and then we'd go out at night yeah. with a flashlight and get our hands all muddy and catch the nightcrawlers. Uh, but uh, it does say this. It says uh, what you should do with the worms after a fishing trip. Now, it says you can store them in a fridge for up to two weeks, place the worms in a container with a few holes poked in the lid, if you don't want to save them, throw them in the trash. Uh, it says worms are an invasive species and should never be dumped into the water, grass, or woods. Properly dispose of them in the garbage. Have you ever heard that before? That sounds kind of crazy to me. That, I've never heard that. Never. What worms are an invasive species? I mean, what are you talking about? I, I, I that... Who the heck wrote that? My goodness. I, I don't know about you, Tom, but I always dumped the worms into the lake or threw them, I, threw them onto the, into the grass on the shoreline and hope, hoping they would uh, uh, crawl away to live another yeah. day. Well, I never threw them away. I, you know, I'll tell you, the best thing to store them in, I mean, you can store them in a lot of different things, but the best thing to store them in is a styrofoam, you know, those styrofoam uh, boxes like yep yep get a styrofoam because that's breathable and you got to make sure that when you put that in the fridge you better have a lid on it otherwise they'll crawl out of it so you know because when it's dark in the fridge they'll come out so you got to have a lid on it and if you get that uh, worm food i forget who Ma Ma magic products makes it it's a yeah, worm the magic food. worm bedding yeah well the a worm food 
because worm bedding would be great to use, but if you if you use damp newspaper, cut up newspaper that's damp, that'll work too. Or just regular dirt from your garden or wherever. But the worm bedding is the best. But if you use the magic worm food, you can keep those worms for oh a long time in the fridge. And as a matter of fact, they'll start multiplying. You'll start getting little worms. You know, so. I don't know where they said they can only last for two weeks in the fridge. My goodness, I've kept them a lot longer than that. So Tom Neubauer set the Guinness Book of World Records record for storing nightcrawlers for the longest time anybody ever did. Well, I don't think I've ever set a record for that, but um, yeah, it's uh, it, it yeah, nightcrawlers can be stored a long time. And you know, the, what, what I find to find amazing. Normally, you'd got to water the grass or water the garden to, for the worms to come up, right? Then why is it during the daytime, without any water being around, I see these robins pulling worms out of the out of the grass, you know? It's like, man, they got to have some kind of special uh, magical deal that, you know, they can find worms when, there's, when the grass is not wet I, and it's the I, middle of the day. I, I believe they hear them, Tom. It's amazing. I was uh, watching, there was a... There was a big red robin who was kind of my buddy here last year. He, she hung out for a couple weeks and be right out here on the deck. I'd be sitting there, and she'd come flying up and sit there and look at me, and then she'd go down into the grass, and I watched her, and she's going on the grass, and us, and she cocked her head near the ground, and next thing you know, she's pulling out a worm. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, um, I, it's, I know. I see them during the day in our front lawn, and... They'll be fine, or my back lawn, they'll be finding worms during the day, and it's not even wet out, you know, so. But, yeah, if you just water the lawn. Remember they used to have those uh, uh, those metal prods that you used to put in the water and then plug into an outlet, and it would send an electrical shock. Uh, you'd plug, excuse me, you'd put them in the grass, and it would send an electrical shock in the grass, and then the, all the worms would come up. Did you ever remember those things? I saw that advertised, but I never actually saw one in person. Did those things either. really work? I don't know. I, I never, I never had to electrocute the worms to get them. You know, when I was younger, uh, never had to do that. But I remember seeing those ads for that. You know, I didn't know anybody who had one though. I wonder it's, if somebody it, would call us if they ever had one. They can call it, us at seven nine nine eleven thirty and tell us or four one four seven nine nine eleven thirty. If they ever Wait, twelve fifty. Twelve fifty, Tom. What did I say? Eleven fifty. Oh, did he I? Said he... No, you said eleven thirty. <laughs> oh my goodness, I meant twelve fifty. Sorry about yeah. that. Four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. Give us go. a call. We'll be glad to talk to you. Worms, dogs, cats, living together. Anything oh, you want to talk about, give us a call. Well, I'll tell you what. While people are th thinking about what to call us or write us at CEOguys at Yahoo.com, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Last one of the day, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Wacky Walleyes. Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. I want to take this last segment to uh, kind of make uh, make an announcement. Many of you, uh, many of our listeners there, are, are are not just listeners, but are are friends. And uh, I've spent time with some of our listeners fishing and hunting, and uh, 
Uh, many of you uh, know my brother Tim as well. Um, so I just wanted to kind of explain. He uh, Two weeks ago, Tim left to go turkey hunting up by our cabin in Douglas County, and uh, he got violently ill after clearing a bunch of brush. He didn't feel well. He uh, still managed to get up the next day, dragged himself out in the woods sick as a dog, and shot a tom turkey. I think it was a miracle because there's hardly any turkeys up in Douglas County. And uh, he talked to me the next day after sleeping for a day in the cabin. He said, man, I'm trying to get enough strength to drive home. I really don't feel good. And I was worried about him. And I, I tried calling him the next day, no answer. Tried the next day, just trying to check up on him. Well, bottom line is he got home. He was really ill, laid in bed a couple days with a 103-degree fever. Finally, his daughter got on the phone because he was uh, getting delirious. He couldn't tell what month it was. And she says, you either go in with mom or I'm calling an ambulance. So he went in and unfortunately it was too late. Uh, he had uh, got a staph infection that had got into his bloodstream. And by the time he got into the hospital, it had damaged his heart, a heart valve, spleen, and uh, he'd already had a minor stroke. That's why he was confused. And uh, they were going to try and transport him to Madison to do emergency heart valve surgery because uh, Milwaukee wouldn't take him. It was too complicated. And the day before they could transport him to Madison, he, under, he had more strokes. And at that point, uh, he became unresponsive. There was nothing further they could do. And uh, he was last uh, responsive last week, Friday. Uh, by the time I got there last week, Saturday after the show, he was uh, unresponsive, so for the last, I don't know how many, six days after that, it was pretty tough because all they could do is just keep him comfortable, and uh, he died Thursday uh, morning. So I guess the moral of the story is this. If you have a chance to go spend time with your family, do it because you never know. And uh, so for those of you who knew Tim, uh, he went out doing what he liked to do, man. He was hunting till the end. So his, uh, his wife is getting him cremated. And uh, along with the beard from the turkey, we're going to spread the ashes up at his uh, deer stand up by the cabin at some point. But, um, yeah. You know, you're right, Danny. It's amazing how a person can be fine, healthy one day and then something gets in their system and within a week or two they're gone it's, it's it's just amazing how fast that can happen you know yeah and the other the other thing as well i guess to to realize is this if you have a high fever for a number of days don't do the typical guy thing that you know we're all like that we're all we're all like i'll be okay i'll be fine i'm going to uh i'm gonna you know just leave me alone you know i'll, I'll tough it out Go in and get checked, especially if you have a high fever. Um, and I think 103 degree fever for a adult, I guess, is pretty high. Uh, don't tough it out. Go on in. And uh, little did I know when I was fishing with him and he slipped the net under that giant walleye back April 6th, little did I dream that that would be the last fish he'd ever net for me. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, appreciate the time you can with your loved ones. Spend time, if you've been thinking about doing that fishing trip with your whoever, whatever relative or friend it is, do it and do it now because you may not ever have the chance again. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy that I was able to uh, 
do that one last trip with my brother. You know, you're right about, you know, guys being guys, you know. Um, when Before I had my heart surgery, it was uh, a while before that, I, every, every month or two I'd have uh, pains in my chest, which I thought was indigestion. The cardiologist told me, no, it was minor heart attacks. But, of course, being a guy, I wasn't going to go to the doctor. I mean, yeah, it's just indigestion. It'll go away. It's no big deal, you know. Guys do that, and you're right, Danny. We shouldn't do that. Whether you got a high fever, you're not feeling right, um, you know, you got a pain. you got a pain in your back. That might not be uh, your back. That might be your lungs. You don't, you don't know. That's why you got to go checked out because uh, life is a precious thing, and it can go by real fast. Hey, I think, uh, Sam, we got a caller on the worm debate here. Yeah, Uh-oh. we got a Dan and Menominee Falls in the line. Okay, let's switch to that. All right. Dan, Dan what, what's going on with the worms? Oh, good morning, guys. Dan, uh, you have my sympathies about your brother. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, but uh, that worm shocker, uh, I made one years ago. As a matter of fact, I ended up giving it to Gordy. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all you need is a couple rods, uh, stick them in the ground, and you attach, you split the wire from an extension cord. Yeah. And the hot on one, ground on the other, and keep the rods maybe six feet apart or so. It worked great. You know, a funny thing you mentioned, Gordy. I just talked to Gordy yesterday. Oh. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a while, so I thought I'd I give him a I haven't seen him in a while either. Yeah. But now, did you plug that into an outlet or yeah, right oh okay I wonder, I wonder if a guy could use like a 12 volt battery i don't I, you'd have to put the the rods a lot closer together i would think yeah but they popped up hey eh? those oh, yeah. popped yeah, it up works fine oh how about that how about that so. well we finally found somebody who had one and used one you you made it yourself right yeah right yeah all right well thanks for calling we appreciate it okay guys Okay, bye now. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, so Danny, there, there's a project for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll electrocute myself trying to... <laughs> that would be my problem, too. Yeah, I'm, that would I'm be not, my problem. So. I'm not exactly the handiest guy in the world. So, you know, I, you know one thing as a kid, you, you, never, you know you're getting old when you're too old to when it rains. You're too old to notice the worms on the sidewalk. We're so busy with life just passing by, you know. And I remember as a kid walking to school after the rain, all I did was stare at the worms on the sidewalk, try not to step on them. Well, when it rains now, Danny, I see them, but it's like I'm not bending over to pick them up. Well, I haven't used live bait in so long. Uh, I, I, I don't find I, I, I just haven't used it in a long, long time. There's so many artificials out that out there that replicate live bait, you know. But sometimes live bait is hard to beat. I'll I'll tell you what, if I had to live on what I caught, I'd probably just say, "Give me some night crawlers," and you can catch anything on a night crawler. Yeah, that's I, true. You can. But I guess we got about 30 seconds left there, Tom. Yeah. So uh, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got too, Danny. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Baitmate Fish Attractants. God bless. Stay safe. We'll talk to you all next week, my friends. 